0: Was Danny exploited by evil geniuses? There is a Thorin video. There are two articles that come out. This is the talk of the town right now. JNT and I will give our takes surrounding these new issues, I suppose. And then there's 100 Thieves and Team Liquid. Both of them on the outside of playoffs looking in. Both of them could miss playoffs. I can't believe I'm saying that. And then FlyQuest. Are they still the best team in the league? We will discuss because there are other people's chasing them right behind them in the standings episode 116 of the clown fiesta podcast with blue jay and jnt 250 starts now Jenter, we're gonna do a summary of the danny events uh because there is a lot that has gone on just a little quick one hopefully we could speed through it and then we can give our takes around it let's start with the summary
1: yeah um obviously all this is pulled from the articles that were released and the video that was put out uh, i would go recommend watching all those before you uh, delve into this whole situation, but just to give a brief little summary, it'll be as follows. So obviously, everybody knew how great of a 2021 Danny had, and he was a primary, you know, target for EG's roster going into 2022. However, at the time, you know, we didn't really know about all these potential issues that were going on behind the scenes at EG. So just started off going into 2020, there were some concerns from both the staff and impact specifically being one of the players on EG concerned with Danny's mental health going into 2022. And it was, you know, reported and sources can confirm that upper management and executives at Evil Geniuses prioritized Danny's superstar, you know, potential and brand value over his, you know, potential mental health risks and you know, I think it's just very important to note right from the beginning that You know, Danny has autism, and I think that was not public information up until these articles and this video came out. And like I said, it's also important to note that Impact was the only player who knew about this at the time. Nobody else on the roster knew of this, only impact. So I think I think it's just important to note as we go through the time events. So obviously, spring split happened and evil geniuses end up winning the split. Um, And Danny was obviously the premier player as to why they won the split and was the star of the show, basically. But when the team went over to Korea for MSI, no member from EG's performance staff traveled to MSI. They traditionally had a member who was on site every single week working with the team and working with Danny specifically. And that person and nobody from that team traveled with the team over to MSI. Right. Obviously, concluding MSI, we got the pretty infamous Danny tweet saying, I'm just glad that it's all over expressing his uh i guess i wouldn't call it frustrations or concern but just wanting to have a bit of a break you know the past five four months had put quite a toll on him and he was getting ready to enjoy this break i Um, think
0: that was the first sign that we the public started to realize hey there's something wrong with danny right that was probably the first sign yeah that tweet
1: probably like we we kind of realized that there's maybe a little bit more going on behind the scenes than what we know right And once again, it's also important to note that all this stuff is going on internally, and this was basically the first instance of any of this becoming public knowledge. Uh, Going into summer split, uh, concern grew among the coaching staff and the performance staff. Uh, During the summer regular season, said that the performance team felt 60-40 to bench Danny during the summer regular season. However, by the end of the regular season, uh, both the coaching and performance staff believed that Danny was going to be able to play out the rest of the year. Then EG lost to Cloud9 in the first series of the summer playoffs, and that's when the coaching and performance staff had gotten their first instance of Danny wanting to quit the team. Uh, and then obviously Danny played his last series uh, against TSM, which was that like back-and-forth banger, which was a 3-2 that lasted over eight hours due to tons of audio issues. And then on December 1st, EG CEO uh, Nicole responded to the dm leaks from danny's sister on twitter
0: right and that was where she basically said like hey none of this stuff is true we care a lot about our players which may be true but a lot of the information that came out in these articles or in thorin's video for example definitely don't exactly give you the best uh impression of eg upper management and that's where we got to get into the discussion now before i continue on i think the first thing that i want to say is like Oh boy, how do I start this? Okay, let let me just say that all the stuff from these articles, not all of it is absolutely confirmed as fact. Now, I would say that it's probably very likely that a lot of the information from these articles or from the video that Thor made is true. I just, I want to put that out there. I'm not trying to cover for EG. I'm just saying that we probably need to make sure that these things are fact because there are things in these articles that do make you wonder, do we know this for sure yet? The first example that I'll point to is in the Richard Lewis article, uh, I'm quoting here. This was, I think, in regards to the Danny sisters' messages. He said, and I quote, we were able to discuss the contents of these messages with our sources and they confirmed certain details of the exchange to be accurate. You would think that after that statement, it would say, these are the details that, that my sources say are accurate and these are the details that my sources say are inaccurate, but they don't do that in any of the articles. So that makes me a little bit weary there. Um there what else is there? There is um oh in Arsh's article he says to my knowledge, uh, to the best of knowledge of my sources, Danny had never said that he wanted to quit prior to playoffs. If he had, it went straight to the orgs leadership and was buried before it got to the players, coaches, or performance staff. So another inconsistency between Arsh's article and uh Richard Lewis's. Uh and then of course there's Danny saying in a tweet like a week ago, like, hey guys, this is all on me. let me get the exact tweet here for a second. He said, hello all, I see there has been quite a lot of news out there and I wanted to tell you that it's completely on me and the accusations towards EG aren't true. The truth is that the pressure of being an esports pro has overwhelmed me to my breaking point and EG supported me all the way. So all this to say that we don't know absolutely what is fact yet, which leads me to my second point is There needs to be an investigation into this stuff. That's I think most people would probably agree that with all of the accusations and all the things that we are hearing from these articles, a lot of it make pretty damn good points. And this stuff needs to be investigated. Now, I also want to remind people that when there was the whole Reginald thing with TSM, they kind of said, hey, we're doing an investigation. And everyone said, hey, you can't just, you know, you can't just do a thing of yourself. You can't investigate yourself it should be a third party like the LCSPA. I think this situation no different in my opinion. I think absolutely the LCSPA needs to be looking into it. Um the only thing that I I couldn't really confirm is whether there is an ongoing investigation. Did you hear about whether there is or there isn't JNT?
1: Didn't really explicitly state one way or the other. So I guess uh, just to bring it back to your to your point here, the the point that we're trying to make is the information that is within all these articles and all the sources that were taken, we we, we got to, you know, we got to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt because not everything has been confirmed while things are, you know, seem to be much more accurate than others. You know, within both of the articles, there are certain sections where they say multiple sources confirm this or yes, right. I find the same things as Richard Lewis did when it comes to Arsh or Arsh said, you know, this was the exact opposite of what I heard. So It's just important to note that while these articles paint a very good picture of what was potentially going on behind the scenes, we don't know if it's necessarily 100% accurate. Yeah,
0: and I want to be perfectly clear that I have no reason to believe Arsh or Richard Lewis or Thorin would purposefully mislead people or get things wrong. I don't think that. It just means that sometimes people make mistakes and things get wrong. So that happens. Um, As far as the investigation stuff, in Richard Lewis's article, he reached out to comment From the Players Association and part of their comment said the Players Association has no comment regarding any ongoing investigations at this time. So I don't know if that means that there is an investigation and they can't comment on it or they can't comment because there is no investigation at this time. That's not completely clear to me. Um, So that's a little wishy-washy. And then the last point that I want to make is that, um, and this is just my opinion, I don't think that this is an issue of malice or poor intent on the side of the EG upper execs. I just think that they probably got a little bit complacent because everything was going fine in spring, as per these articles, um, and honestly, just a little bit negligent, not realizing that they don't actually have, uh, the. they are not equipped well enough to deal with such serious mental health issues. You mentioned how they didn't even send someone to MSI. Obviously, that would have been a good time to have a mental uh, health care professional there. Or in the summer, I believe the articles mentioned that um, someone who someone from the performance team was like, I don't know if they were on leave because they were on vacation or if they were on sick leave, or I don't remember the specifics, but the point is someone wasn't there.
1: It said I have someone there. I can confirm for you. It said a member this is not necessarily who was somebody who was on the performance team, but it says a member of upper management who is generally on site in spring went fully remote during summer. Yeah, so poten- me. potentially this could be where some of the disconnect between the coaching staff, the performance staff, and then the upper management and executives got lost from spring to summer. Because, right. you know, to, again, to circle back to your initial point, when it came to spring, all evidence points to everything was going fine during spring. You know, they had, they had, a, they had a specific person on site on their performance team who was dealing with Danny every single week. And very good. And then obviously, as we mentioned in the summary, they go off to MSI. That person is no longer with the team on site. Problems start to arise. Summer split comes along. There's less uh, focus and there's less focus from execs and upper management on the actual day-to-day operations of the team. And then obviously things start to break down from there.
0: Yeah, that's where I'm guessing complacency comes into place because things were so fine as As they're saying, things were fine in spring, and then clearly they weren't. Um, So let's say they do go ahead and they do an investigation and they find there's malpractice at EG, which seems likely, by the way, at this point. Not confirmed, but likely. I think there are two possible takeaways, or two main takeaways that people might have. The first one is that the upper execs at EG are actually evil and they just care about uh profits and the brand image and they don't care about throwing players under the bus whether it be Danny or somebody else on the team aha we are actually evil geniuses and we just care about ourselves I I think I don't think most people will look at it that way but I do think some people will think especially if all you do is watch Thorin's video um I don't think that's the case if if you take that if that's your takeaway then i think the conclusion then becomes well we just need to get uh these kinds of people out of esports which oh wouldn't it be nice to get rid of all the evil people from esports i think the better takeaway is that this is a systemic issue like arsh mentions in his in his article and the best way to take the the better takeaway is that sometimes good people do bad things without bad intentions and that they thought full well that they were able to take care of Danny's mental health issues, but they just weren't, and they got so distracted by growing the EG brand that they lost track of making sure that, D- that Danny is in a good mental space. And that, to me, seems to be the more likely um, conclusion, and that the takeaway should therefore be, let's put things in place to make sure that no matter what, if someone needs to go on vacation who is part of the mental health staff, that they are able to replace somebody else who goes on leave and make sure that there is a rule in place that when you go to MSI or Worlds, that there will always be a mental health professional there for for any of the players. That to me seems so obvious, and I think that needs to be the, the, the takeaways from this whole, all these shenanigans.
1: Yeah, I guess to, to go back to your initial point talking about you know the organization and maybe the the upper management and the exe- and the executives not it's putting their all into it to me it just felt like they maybe got a little bit greedy like they saw they saw the success in a spring split when EG turned around from being a middle of the pack team to being the best team in the league with you know the two best young players in the league and at the time the best player in the league and inspired and to me it just felt like they got a little bit greedy like they saw they saw the potential but then, you know, wanted to maybe cut some corners once they felt like they had this championship winning team or these these, these championship-like players. Because it, it paints a pretty clear picture in Arsha's article how there was tons of changes that went on from spring to summer. You know, when it came to spring, mm-hmm. there was a lot of importance placed on Danny's day-to-day well-being and his integration within the team. And you know, etc. You know, there was, a, like I said, a performance coach that was working with him one on one and was on site every single week. Uh, there was, you know, schedules and a good environment was created for him, and that all got uprooted when they went to MSI. You know, different environment, the same people aren't there, different schedule, the pressure is multiplied because it's an international event, and you come around to summer, and I think, you know, again, once again, I'm just assuming here, I'm speculating. I think EG. Their expectations probably changed a lot to, hey, look, we have this great team now. We should be able to take this all the way. And performance became the number one, you know, imp- performance became the, what's the word I'm looking for here? The, like, the, the end all be all. Like, that's what esports is. It's about performing. Like, and they probably thought that having Danny in there, regardless of the struggles that might have been going on behind the scenes, was going to yield the best performance.
0: Yeah and they kind of get distracted, they get so focused on, hey, I need to impress the boss, or hey, I want to raise, or whatever it may be, right? There's a lot of reasons as to why you would still put Danny in. I just, I don't, again, this is just an opinion. If the investigation proves something otherwise, I'm f- I'm all ears. I just don't get the the idea that the the, the people at EG really wanted to harm, or really um, thought that they were harming Danny in any way. I, I just, I highly doubt that, but I don't I don't know Nicola Point, for example, right? I am such an outside... Almost all of us are all just completely outside opinions on this kind of thing. And that, again, points to why there needs to be an investigation done. Because I think if, you, if an investigation is done, you will be able to sit down with absolutely everyone that was involved and get word from everyone. And then come to a far more um, informed opinion or decision about what exactly went down and then you could kind of dish out uh penalties the league could decide if there's penalties the league could decide if people should be let go if should they should be relieved of their duties or whatever reggie got put on like probation or whatever for his thing maybe that's the right way to go i don't know because there's probably still a lot of details as much as there is there's a lot of details in these articles there's probably still more that we don't know because i mean this was a thing that lasted almost the whole year right it started at MSI and went all the way to around Worlds. Like, that's maybe, I guess, half of the year, I suppose. So there's probably a lot that went into all of this. And yeah. I think the only the only obvious thing to me needs is an investigation needs to be done.
1: Yeah, the, definitely in, an investigation should be on the priority list in terms of both the LCS and Evil Geniuses themselves because, you know... The way that everything transpired in 2022, or I guess I should say on the back half of 2022, does point to EG's negligence to to a certain degree, and yes. like you mentioned, and I'll agree with you. I I didn't get that impression that it's you know they were you know purpose purposefully trying to harm Danny or putting you know the or I think. It kind of became a byproduct that they put the org's well being, you know, and, and market value and performance and brand value over, you know, the physical and mental health of one of their players because I think they probably just got a little bit of tunnel vision. Like I said, you know, going back to yeah. the spring split, like guys, like let's not ignore the conversations that were going around this time when it came to Evil Geniuses. When they won spring, everybody thought that they were the best team. And Everybody thought that they had the best player in the league and Inspired. They had the two best young players in the league in Jojo Pune and Danny. And going into summer, everybody thought that this was going to be the best team. And even going to MSI, people had, had confidence that this was not going to be another NA disaster at MSI because people had confidence in this team. And I think when you have an organization who isn't necessarily perceived or looked at as a top org and all of a sudden becomes one and has a very good future ahead of themselves, expectations and priorities can then shift because – like oh shit! Like we're actually really good now. Like well, what does that mean? Like that actually gives us the chance to you know potentially you know make some more money, get some more sponsors, do whatever, whatever. And I think, in my opinion, EG's org and their upper management execs just got too tunnel vision on that one aspect and sort of lost sight of maybe the process that created this whole you know great team to begin with.
0: And I guess one of the last things I'll say on it is. I think we are kind of just all grouping all the the execs together like there's more than one person that is part of the upper management of EG. It could be that some EG employees had great intentions and some didn't, right? We did hear that there was some quotes about saying like Danny's ruining everything. Uh they're called them the R word. Like there are some really rough looking things from the outside that like I mean I they need to figure out who was responsible uh, for every single decision that was made and then make a decision and move forward. That's that's the way I look at it.
1: It, it you, you correctly pointed out that you know we shouldn't necessarily group all of the executives and upper management staff into one ball because it could be a situation where the people who might have been calling the shots were the ones in the wrong and there were others who were pushing against that. But I think it is important to note that in almost every single instance in Arsh's and even Richard Lewis's article – it was often the coaching staff and the performance staff um, butting heads with executives and upper management with regards to Danny's performance, his potential benching, his you know eventual benching. So, while I do agree, I think it's important to note that you know it does seem that the executives and the upper management, while not necessarily all of them, are ones to blame.
0: It's just so heartbreaking. Like, Danny's such a fa- fan favorite, right? Like, is there anyone, is there any LCS fan that doesn't like Danny, and then you find out that he has to go through all this, and he's got um, people there that are supposed to help him, but they are just completely unable to. Um, I don't know, it's it's heartbreaking, I guess. Yeah. Uh. Okay, we'll have to, I guess, if, if there's more that comes out about the Danny stuff, we'll talk about it in future episodes. For now, I think the main takeaway is do an investigation, figure out who's at fault and for what, and do their best to implement rules that make sure that these kind of things do not happen again. That is the, the goal from here on out, I think, and I think that's pretty safe to say.
1: Yeah, Unfortunately, I think this is going to be a topic that we'll revisit a, another number of times in the future. Right.
0: And something else that Boy in the live chat points out, which is another good point that we, we didn't touch on. I mean, there's so much that we didn't touch on, I know, but we'd be here all day. But he makes the point that, like, um, there's other esports outside of League of Legends where EG doesn't have the greatest reputation. And that's something else to consider with these kinds of things. It's like, this isn't the first time that they've um, made poor decisions. And so that's uh, perhaps an aggravating factor, if you will.
1: Yeah, the, the Thorin video that we referenced at the beginning speaks to other issues within EG relating to their CSGO team, but we don't need to talk about CSGO over yeah, here. Yeah,
0: we, we'd be here all day. But anyways, that's a good point. Thanks for that in the live chat. Okay, um, we need to talk about 100 Thieves because, I mean, my God, we're not where we thought we would be with them. Before we do, I want to remind people if you're enjoying the content to hit the subscribe button, uh, like on YouTube, and comment. All that stuff helps us very, very much. Uh, and we appreciate it. Now, 100 Thieves, JNT. Uh, it's why is it looking, not working,
1: <laughs> It's looking rough.
0: The thing is, last week, I didn't feel this negative about this team. But they got hard clapped this week. And it's like, usually, like, don't get me wrong. One week of, of games can always change an opinion of a team. It just feels so drastic because they got so destroyed, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, they got annihilated in both of their games. I mean, neither game was close, pretty much. I mean, we, we don't need to go into a summary of every single game, but or to, to, to both games, I mean, but both games pre- played out pretty similarly. Uh, every single lane just lost. And the, yeah.
0: The thing is, it felt like it was for different reasons, though, right? The first one, they drafted full scaling, and Cloud9 just ran over them with a full early game comp. They won other lanes and just didn't allow 100 Thieves to even breathe. And then the second game, 100 Thieves drafted, like, I would say a comp that is probably a lot better for making plays. They had Lee Sin, uh, I think it was Gragas mid, like, even Gragas can make some plays. It was like, okay, they're not just sitting back and waiting forever. But the point is, the game was lost by three minutes because bot lane died four times. You had a 4-0 Kalista on the other side. So it didn't matter that they drafted more of a playmaking jungle for closer. The game was over. Like, as soon as you give Kalista four kills, your game plan's out the window, no matter what you try to do. So... I liked their game plan going into the second game, but it just didn't matter. And I, I guess this is where we need to get into the question, JNT. What about this season? Why is it not working for 100 Thieves? And I know there, by the way, there's probably a lot of different answers to that. Let's just start with one or two. Why is it not working, Jenter?
1: Well, I, I mean, one thing that I think we should point out right now, which uh, maybe will change our answer or... Might adjust our opinion on this team, but 100 Thieves—they're making a coaching staff change. Uh, they're getting rid of their current head coach, who is Cass. I don't know if that's exactly how you say the name, but formerly on the Mad Lion staff, he was only—this was only his first split coaching on this team—and they promoted Nuke Duck, who was their assistant coach, now to the head coach. So. Whether we see a change, I mean, it's likely that we see maybe some changes going into next week when it comes to, you know, preparation and strategy and whatnot. But from what we've already seen this season, it does feel like, you know, and I think I even said this, you know, two or three weeks into the season, it feels like this 100 Thieves team is operating like old TSM. And that was one of the reasons why I haven't liked what I've seen from this team so far. Very often this year, we have seen them just revert to pure scaling comps. I remember, I can't remember how many times, but I remember like a few specific instances from like week two, they went double scaling. I think in week four, which was the super week, they drafted like huge scaling comps. Obviously, this week there was that game against Cloud Nine where they drafted full scaling into Cloud Nine, the best, like one of the best early game teams in the league. So it does feel like, you know, the identity of this team is not fitting the meta at all whatsoever. And I think that's probably issue number one is the players that we've seen on this team, the way that they've operated in the past, and I see the players, but it's really closer, Bjergsen and Doublelift, they've all primarily been mid to late game monsters when it comes to team fighting and decision-making and, you know, just macro and whatnot. So the complete flip side to early game focus that we've seen pretty much in every single league everywhere for all of season 13 really just doesn't seem to fit this team at all.
0: So I agree with like 99% of what you said. The only thing that I am I differ with is your opinion on throwing closer in the group with Bjergsen and Doublelift because in 2021, this was before the teleport changes before the, you can't TP to stuff the 14 minute teleport changes. 100 Thieves made Everyone know that the way they were going to win games was they were going to dive level three, no matter where Like Closer would, set up, would help set up a dive with one of his lanes and they would TP in and they would 4v2 one of the lanes, usually in the bot lane. Um, and so that was like, Closer made a lot of plays early and we're not seeing a lot of plays early in this particular team. So that's the only area that I differ. I think I agree with you and I think the community agrees with you that the biggest problem for 100 Thieves is meta read, and just play style. The fact that they do play too slow and for scaling and they're just getting run over before they can make anything happen. I think, I think we're all pretty much on the same page there as far as the, the community sentiment. The the next question that I have for you though is if we think that's a problem and then we think we should play more towards the early game, play more for Pryo, for example, um, is it too late to change? Uh, we're going into week seven. Uh, Of spring split so there's two more weeks left there's five more games is it too late to change their play style and try to be a little bit more aggressive in the early game and try to get get leads rather than sit back and wait
1: well whether or not a change would be good or bad for them they need to do something regardless because on the path that they're on the trajectory that they are right now they might not even make playoffs and when you're in a situation where you know let's be honest here 100 thieves they are not looking like you know, a title contender you know i
0: no nope. i don't think a
1: single person could confidently say that this team is a threat to win the lcs championship this year and then if that's the case um you then got to look at you know 100 of has to look at themselves like do they think that they can win it they probably still think that they can win it
0: absolutely but, they do
1: you know at a certain point you got to understand like you got to you got to sacrifice the short term potentially for the long term so if All signs point to the meta not changing from this current style anytime soon. And I I say current style in in terms of laning focus, how important the early game is, soul stacking, early Rift Herald fights, etc. I don't see the meta changing anytime soon. It's pretty much been this way for the last, I guess, pretty much since the teleport changes, as you kind of outlined. Because before teleport changes, Closer was the super aggressive guy. But post-teleport changes, it it feels like he's not as much that guy anymore, to me at least. So...
0: What's funny is that the question that I asked you about, is it too late to change? I think the answer is kind of yes, because it's hard to make a change this late into the season, but I don't think they have a choice. Yeah. Like, I, I, we've yeah. seen way too much success from the other teams. I mean, I, we could all just say, oh, just be cloud nine forehead. Yeah. But you see why teams prioritize early, um, early laning phase as the time to get advantages. It's because you completely take over and snowball games and and so, it's
1: it's not even just cloud nine we see other teams like e- evil genius is also another great early game yeah. team FlyQuest, who's not necessarily as dominant in the early game when it comes to just landing and whatnot their team fighting is the best in the league probably so they team have no liquid if they
0: weren't so bad yeah. at throwing all the time you would throw team liquid in there but yeah
1: but i yeah. mean the top the top three teams basically all have strong early to mid games i mean a, a strong early game will naturally lead you to a strong mid game but 100 Thieves in almost every single one of their games are operating from a disadvantage. I, I can't recall the last time they had a gold lead in a game past the 14 minute mark. I, I even want to go look at right now, look at every single gold graph because I can't tell you the last time they had a gold lead post 14 minutes.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know either. Maybe it was, maybe, did they play a bad team recently and get one?
1: Uh, I don't know.
0: They have. So while you're looking that up, I guess I, I'll, I'll get us to my last uh question i guess that i want to talk about with 100 thieves is that we said they are outside of the playoff picture right now looking in and we're wondering the question is can they make playoffs now their remaining schedule kind of indicates yes but i I guess honestly i don't know how many wins they need but their remaining schedule is golden guardians dignitas tsm eg and immortals based off where they are in the standings right now i would say that the dig tsm and immortals should be winnable um and then you gotta steal one off of golden guardians and eg both teams that are looking way better than 100 these right now do you know if three wins is even enough for them to get in i could look it up if you don't know
1: yeah i mean three wins will probably put them in a tiebreaker like scenario it's usually nine wins will get you in that 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 is normally the the nine wins and you're in, that kind of feels like the rule in the LCS. But be- very often do we see teams at 8-10 and 10 and sometimes even 7-11 get into the playoffs via tiebreakers because of the way that the standings can played out. Because when the league is very top-heavy, the standings towards the bottom end of the playoffs are going to be more losses than wins. But, you know, we've had other splits where the reverse happens. So three wins, you're probably fighting for tiebreakers. Four wins, you're yeah. probably in. If you went out, you're going to be in for sure. So Because yeah. they are... They have five wins. They're five and eight currently tied with Team Liquid. TSM is one win above them with six. Mm-hmm. And then CLG has two you know, two extra wins at seven. And then you have Golden Guardians at eight, EG9, 9 C910, FlyQuest11. You're not catching any of the top four realistically. So right. the best that they could finish would be fifth. And if that is the case, they need to win probably four games. And you obviously have to hope that CLG loses every single game except for one, basically.
0: Yeah, so looking at the standings here, I think you're definitely just trying to chase for the number six spot. You're chasing TSM, which is six and seven, which the good news is they play TSM. And so they could beat TSM. And um, interesting
1: interesting to note that the last time that they had a gold lead at 14 minutes was against TSM in week two. So just to go back to that original point, this team has not had a gold lead post 14 minutes since week two.
0: That is. That is... That's impressive, in not yeah. a good way. <laughs>
1: and even in their in their one win in week three, which was the last one they had before their mega losing streak, they didn't have a goal lead at fourteen minutes. And their game they won against Team Liquid uh, last week, they didn't even have a goal lead at fourteen minutes because that was like that was that Lucian Nami game where Harry ran it down two times, and no surprise there. But
0: so, anyways, we think that they need three wins if four if we're being safe but three wins to make it they could make it with eight wins but then you're needing tsm and team liquid to both lose now team Liquid's schedule uh they got a lot of good teams left to play so team liquid still has to play cloud nine eg and fly quest by the way um we'll get to them a little bit later but then tsm they have to play 100 thieves dignitas fly quest golden guardians and immortals so honestly that 100 thieves versus TSM game could be the decider of who makes playoffs, whether it's TSM or or 100 Thieves. That's going to be a really, really important game, I think.
1: Yeah, they they definitely have, you know, those two layups against Dignitas and Immortals, but, you know, EG right now, I definitely favor EG over 100 Thieves, and I'd probably still favor Golden Guardians over 100 Thieves, and like you said, that TSM game is probably going to be very key. I don't know, is that... That this week or is that in that's
0: the that's that the install. first one on super week that's the first game so that would be the thursday is, is, is how does super week work that'll that'll Wednesday? that'll be a
1: big foldy foldy sheet eliminator that game right there for one yeah. way or the other yeah.
0: okay so to close out the 100 thieves conversation are they making playoffs jnt it
1: probably will make playoffs but
0: see i actually think they will too but like they look so bad right now are we just idiots
1: I mean, I think it's, I, like like you said, it being that TSM match, it's more, to me, it feels like TSM versus 100 Thieves in that battle for the sixth seed, and even despite the 100 Thieves poor performances, if 100 Thieves and TSM played each other right now, I would still pick 100 Thieves, because TSM is TSM is like the worst version of 100 Thieves. I mean, not the worst version, but... They also TSM often
0: hasn't looked as bad as 100 Thieves, though, yet I still agree with you that I think I would take 100 Thieves. Maybe we're just
1: delusional. I mean, maybe we are, but I think it is <laughs> fair to point out that TSM does play a very similar style to 100 Thieves, although they maybe aren't True. as strong in the late game, but at the same time are better in the early game, because I think Boogie actually does a lot of work in the early game to sort of help out the lanes, as opposed to Closer, who pretty much is playing reactionary-based jungle, for the first 14 minutes of the game and has been for the last three weeks. The last time that we saw him doing anything aggressive was that Jarvan game that he had against CLG last time where he ran it the fuck down, so...
0: Yeah, it will get quite interesting, I think. Um, Are we good to move on to FlyQuest now? Yeah. At the top of the standings.
1: FlyQuest, they're still sitting at the top of the standings. They did lose a game this week to Evil Geniuses. Um, Hmm. Stomped on CLG the day before, though, but you know flyquest's mortality is is showing itself a bit here
0: yeah the the game against eg um there were some small signs to me that like maybe a little bit worried for flyquest but admittedly i think it's a little nitpicky um early on vikla gets ganked uh then he wastes his flash when he's already dead and then because of that he gets ganked again and again free scoop for the azir so like a little bit of a hiccup from from vikla in that game um Poor Impact just got hard countered by the. When he was playing Cassante, he got countered by the Garen, which was hilarious, by the way. Um, Ayla got caught out a couple of times. Prince, he had a couple of positioning errors. Uh, there was the one against uh, CLG where, like, uh, he baits contracts on the Lee Sin to go in, but then as soon as he uses the Zaya uh, the R, that's when the Aurelian Soul Comet lands on him and he just dies. So that was a little bit of an oopsie. Then, then the final play against Evil Geniuses, he kind of gets baited by Stopwatch or Zonia's. On he goes, he he blows everything to kill JoJo, who was yeah mispositioned, but had Zonia's, and he paid the price for it. So a couple of nitpicky things that made me a little bit worried for FlyQuest, but I still think this team is definitely. Like, I'm not that worried about them being a bad team. I'm just not certain that they're the best team anymore.
1: Yeah, um, I mean. Good for them that they're still you know sitting at the top of the standings. I think they've already confirmed like, playoffs, like even if they were to lose every single game the rest of the way, they are, are automatically locked into playoffs they or are. or at the very least a tiebreaker mm-hmm. um so obviously, I think you know when a team like Fla if you're the top team in the league and you are starting to struggle, um a lot of teams in the past have usually viewed that as a good thing. Because very often we'll see super dominant LCS teams talk about, you know, after their failures, whether that be in the LCS playoffs or at international events, whether it's MSI Worlds, they always like to bring up the fact that it was unfortunate that we really never got challenged during our time in the LCS because it gave us a very skewed perception of what we were doing and how we looked at the game and we weren't able to work on playing from a deficit. So I think for FlyQuest's case, considering they have such a high ceiling, and I think we know that while they haven't been performing as well as they have in the first half of the season this team is still a really good team and yeah. maybe this just can give them the opportunity to work on some specific things that they might have have already identified as problems or are now you know problems have started to reveal themselves
0: yeah one thing I that I'll to win out now, oh, go ahead
1: well, I, one thing I wanted to mention with the e g game with the whole Garen Cassante thing. I feel like Cassante is becoming the new Aatrox, where he's just like a default champion that people are just reverting to, like this champion is not as good as it once was. It's been nerfed like three times now since thirteen point one, and I don't know. it feels like this champion is now fitting the bill of just the champion and top lane that you blind pick when you don't know what you're doing basically and it's not as good as it once was, and all these counters are now out there, and Garen obviously seems to be a big counter to it, not only in the game that we saw, but just in terms of the analysis, I don't remember who was on the cast, but they were just saying the interaction when Cassante presses his ult, Garen, all you have to do is start hitting him and then press your own ult. So, I, I don't know. To me, it just feels like Cassante is the new h Like, stop blind-picking this champion just for no reason whatsoever. It's not as good yeah. as it was, like...
0: No, I agree. I think you're totally right, because we saw what happens when you pick it blind anymore. I I get the feeling FlyQuest is not going to pick Cassante blind anymore. I think that they learned their lesson there, because that was way too easy of a punishment. I still think
1: you can pick it into, like, when you have a good jungler to pair with it, when you have it, you know, picking certain counter matchups, it's still a good champion into Jax. Other top lane carries, it's still pretty good into, because of its 1v1 power, but pretty much it loses to almost every single tank these days, like... Everybody loves picking Tank Thompson to Cassante. Everybody loves the Sion matchup. Uh, the Orn matchup, we're not really seeing as much anymore because Sion is just like the king now. But everybody's talking about Chogath. You know, Chogath is like another premier tank champion that we saw a little bit of play this week, but one, a champion that I think people are going to be looking at moving into the future.
0: I'm a little bit worried because when they were, uh, but before they got, they took their first loss. I remember saying that they would get two losses on the year. So I think that was going into week four, was it? I think it was week four because that was the super week when they lost to TSM. I said they would get two losses on the season. Now, I need them to win out now. I need them to – and they got some tough opponents left. I think they got uh, TL. That could be difficult. They got C9 still uh Golden Guardian still. So they could actually it would be a pretty big swing considering everyone thought that this team might go undefeated. If they lose like 3 or 4 games and it's like kind of eye-opening. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see if that happens though. Uh speaking of C9 though, um C9 got the 2-0. They completely stomped 100 Thieves, although we kind of already talked about that. Their other game was against Dignitas and they didn't absolutely clap Dignitas. It felt like there was a bunch of close fights but c9 just came out on top in all of these really close fights it didn't feel like a stomp which is what you would expect out of cloud nine versus dignitas right
1: yeah it was it was similar it was kind of similar to their last game in against dignitas where it was you know it was kind of close until it wasn't like yeah. like you mentioned this game was actually pretty close a lot of the team fights uh were going i guess i shouldn't say we're going dignitas way but Team fight, a team fight would ensue, and it usually started off with Dig getting a good pick onto a C9 member. You know, blowing a sum, getting them low, forcing them out the fight, and then Cloud9 just wasn't really ever afraid to take fights at a numbers disadvantage, and we saw that multiple times during the game. Where, you know, the main the main team fight in that game to talk about is the dragon fight, where I think Cloud9 lost. I forget who they lost, but they lost uh sven and fudge maybe it was after fudge had like ran it down at the the blue buff yeah like fudge but kind of overstepped died cloud nine walked into a dragon fight like 4v2 or something basically or 4v3 and berserker just chatted out and killed them all
0: that was a really gutsy play and berserker almost died to Jensen on the Jace, he was poking, and then Zven was playing Callista and he used the the whatever that ultimate is called, the Callista Ulti oh, yeah. to save him. That was a ballsy play. Like I did not think Cloud9 needed to take that fight to win the game. But they did. Um and honestly, that's their style. They like to fight. So while I don't think it's maybe the best thing to do, if that's the way you play the game, that's the way you play the game. I have no problem with that. Um, it just might get punished if you're playing a better team than Dignitas. <laughs>
1: Yeah, maybe, Uh, but at the same time, at the same time, you know, do they do that if it's against a better team than Dignitas? Like maybe it's because it's against Dignitas they decided to do it. So it's fair point. We'll never never really know, but maybe maybe not the best strategy to implement against a better team.
0: Yeah, that that is a fair point. Um, I wanted to ask you because we we talked about how when Diplex was in, C9 didn't really look like the greatest early game team. Um. Now that M&S is in, things are going a lot better, but it's still a small sample size. Uh, I think they're 3-1. and one. And in the one loss that they did have, things did not go well in the early game. I think Golden Guardians completely took over uh, from the early game, just because I think Gory was way up on M&S. So things mostly going good for C9's early games, which is what you expect out of them. And I guess I wanted to ask, is that a coincidence that it's happening with MS in the lineup? Or is it, yes, M- M&S is just much better in the laning phase and allows blabber to play like a psycho and completely and continuously invade and, and be that kind of guy.
1: I mean, to me, it does feel like MNS's lane dominance is allowing blabber to be unlocked and be the psycho fish too that. We basically like we knew blabber as when he started his career on cloud nines. Cause I think it, it, I don't, I can't recall exactly, you know, game by game, but when it came to Diplex versus MS, it was pretty obvious that Diplex was kind of playing a power of evil type role in terms of the way that he played the game. Not necessarily the champions that he was picking because it wasn't like he was exclusively on control mages, but it was more that Diplex was purely just playing within the lane. There was very minimal you know, roaming going on. 2v2 plays going on with blabber when it came to making dives happen either on the bottom or the top side but with mns in it does feel like blabber is able to do a lot more within the early game when it comes to early invades aggressive ganking taking early drags earlier of tails it feels like ever since MS came in minus that golden guardians game c9 is taking every single objective like i i can't recall but it doesn't feel like they're losing any objectives because they're just always first they always have better vision they're always willing to take the fight Um, Even on a game-by-game basis, you can see um, them finding some, like, creative flanks and whatnot, and, you know, having a player like MNS, you obviously have those moments within the game where he's just mechanically outplaying the enemy, and that causes a big swing in the game.
0: Yeah, I think I agree. I'm not that confident, mostly because, like... We've seen how bad 100 Thieves is right now, and so like yeah, they're clapping the early game, but also they're playing against a terrible early game team. You mentioned how they haven't had a lead in the early game since week two, so I guess, I think I agree. But this week they're playing Evil Geniuses, that's a test right there. Let's see if you could do it against EG, and let's see how MNS does against JoJo, and I think we'll have a much more informed opinion on how well MNS is meshing with the. Uh, early game play style once we see that kind of that that game right
1: and even not just eminous you know the other lanes because yeah as of late we have seen cloud nine just smashing lanes you know fudge included it feels like fudge is
0: he destroyed tenacity yeah
1: I, I know we posed a question a couple of weeks ago like is fudge back to 2021 fudge and maybe while we're not seeing those like highlight reel type plays that we did see in 2021 with fudge it feels like in terms of individual skill laning and whatnot, it feels like he's at that level.
0: Yeah, I think I would have him as my number one all pro right now for top lane. I think impact is pretty close behind. Um it's a bit nuanced. Someday, I obviously someday I, had a really good Garen game, but I don't want oh, he played Garen, great. Like I, I think it's between Impact and and Fudge.
1: Yeah. It's it's hard to say because I still think that I would pick Impact, but I think like Fudge is the better individual player, but Impact is the better team player. So Interesting. it's whatever yeah. you, whatever if you were building, like if you were making the All Pro team or whatever, like it kind of would depend for me. Oh, I just hit myself in the face with my mic. Ow! It would all Let depend. Me see the
0: replay. Oh, I just saw it live on the stream. Beautiful. That yeah, was great. <laughs> that hurt. Um,
1: what was I saying? That's something
0: that we'll have to monitor the whole uh, yeah. the Impact versus Fudge thing as the season goes on, but. For now, Fudge looking really good. C9 looking really good. And they will be tested with EG this weekend. Speaking of EG, they went 2 Uh Last week, I was a little bit worried about EG. This week, they looked amazing. It's specifically, Jojo Pyun, which is like, I mean, how do we... Jojo Pyun is like all of CLG, but just himself. Like, you never know what you're going to get out of CLG. You never know what you're going to get out of Jojo. This was a good week, and he got Player of the Week, and he absolutely styled on them.
1: Yeah, it was a bit funny because before this episode, before we started recording this episode, I was going back and rewatching our predictions from the previous week and it, during the EG FlyQuest matchup, both of us pretty much said we would have been picking EG if Jojo Pune had not been running it down for the last two weeks because Isn't that funny? he basically had four back-to-back games where he was playing like complete dog shit. And while EG was still winning games because the rest of their team is very, very good and you know, the the remaining four players are able to pick up the Jojo Pune slack. This week, we saw all five members of EG playing at the top of their game and playing like, you know, and Jojo Pune playing like we know he is.
0: They looked good.
1: They looked uh, very good.
0: Jojo's was a collie, uh, that The one team fight where he got, I think it was a quadra kill, or maybe it was a trip, I don't remember, but he, he landed almost everything in that team fight as a collie. Uh, that was insane there was also um, Vulcan on the Thresh with a four-man flay in that very same team fight that was like oh my Vulcan's Thresh was sweet this weekend Um, inspired to me though I still think he's the best player in the league I I thought he was the biggest reason why they beat FlyQuest he continuously found Prince he had some beautiful Gragas ults to knock in Prince, and then he picked him off at the end once he got baited by Jojo Pion's stopwatch or or Zonia's, whichever it was. Like, to me, absolute MVP of that particular game was inspired for sure, as Gragas was amazing.
1: I agree. It was very good.
0: I still think he's the best player in the league. Uh, I know a lot of people will not like to hear that because they will say it's Prince, which by the way, Prince is fantastic too. If you say that Prince is the best player in the league, I'm not going to say you're wrong. I'm just going to say that I think it's inspired and I, yeah, unreal, unreal.
1: Yeah, it's Um, funny. I don't think I'd ever even thought of that, but it's probably like a 1A, 1B type situation for me.
0: That doesn't mean that I think Inspired should be MVP. By the way, like I, I, this particular split, I still think Prince has had the better split. I just think the best player uh, moving forward, I would go with Inspired. For clarity's sake, by the way,
1: um, yeah, it's one of those two. You know, may, maybe someone on maybe 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 want to fudge or blabber and insert themselves into the conversation, but probably it's those two. They're they're pretty clear cut at the front right now.
0: Yeah. So how the hell do we like how do I pinpoint how to judge this team because we don't know like this is like the games are being decided by how much Jojo shows up or not even though he is not by any means the only superstar on this team
1: Definitely does I feel don't... like he is the X factor though.
0: Yeah, because this... he might just run it down. So how are we supposed like how am I supposed to know how he's going to play against C9? Well
1: what what are you what are you getting a feeling? What 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 do you think is he going to run it down or not? Cuz
0: Every time I think EG's fine and everything, you know, then he comes out and lays an egg, and then I'm like, oh, okay, EG's got problems, and then when I say that, then he comes out and pops off and gets player of the week. I don't I don't know what to say.
1: I don't know. Maybe maybe he just needs to... Maybe he was eating some good food that week, I don't know. Or some bad food the previous weeks.
0: Yeah. He anyway, It's the secret sauce. Uh, they're looking really, really good. And then the other team that I would say is... Uh, to round out the contenders, if you will, for the the current contenders for the uh, the championship would be Golden Guardians. Um, we were all hype train, And don't get me wrong, I'm not off the hype train, but I guess I'm just not uh, as hyped after this weekend. They had won seven in a row, and suddenly everyone was like, okay, we believe, ourselves included, we believe. I believe this team is a contender. And then they lost to TL, which, by the way, you could give credit to TL for that game. TL actually played pretty well in that one. But then they struggled against Immortals, and uh, anybody that listens to this podcast knows that I do not have a lot of respect for the skill level of Immortals.
1: It was interesting, even in that game, because we got, we got Licorice Renekton, and it wasn't a free win, so they're messing with my, mean, my Golden Guardians winning strategy right there.
0: I thought they Licorice actually did. Had, a pretty, had a pretty good weekend, to be honest. You know what's funny is, so last weekend, I didn't think he had a good weekend. And I listened to the dive, and they're like, yeah, Licorice had a good weekend. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? That one game, he did nothing the whole time. He was AFK the whole time, and then he almost cost them the game by throwing. I don't remember who that was against. So I didn't understand why all the the analysts were like, yeah, Licorice looked pretty good this weekend. I did not agree. But this weekend, I actually think he did. He got hard camped by Team Liquid. Uh, Pioshek was up there like four times in the early game, and Licorice did not feed. That is not normal for what we've seen out of him. So... I mean, I'm I'm definitely willing to give him credit for this weekend. I thought Licorice looked a lot better.
1: Yeah, I, to, to give myself a little pat on the back, I don't think I was as... I think I recognize that Golden Guardians was a lot better. I don't think I was as high on them as you, and I did think that they were going to lose that game to TL, but I still think that this team is still very, very good. Um, but... I, I, I don't think... know
0: if you can pat on the back if because I remember your reasoning was that there was going to be a massive top gap, and I don't think that was the case. Pioshek went top four times by, like, 12 minutes or something in that game. So, yes, Summit did have a lead, but, like, eh, you get a half pat on the back. Okay, well, <laughs>
1: either way, they won. T- TL won, which they I did. thought was going to happen, so.
0: You did predict that. Yes, you did.
1: But, uh... I guess I guess for me when I look at Golden Guardians in comparison to the other top teams in the league, those teams being FlyQuest, Cloud9 and Evil Geniuses, it does feel like with Golden Guardians, they they need like they need to be in control of the game in order to win said game. Like things need to be going their way. You need to be playing by their rules. And I think that isn't necessarily the case with the other top teams in the league. Um They can win games from a deficit. They can win games when it's not necessarily fitting their preferred play style. So once again, it's like kind of hard to judge because, you know, how how do I know? Like on a game to game basis, if Golden Guardians gets what they want, like, well, if they do, then I think they're going to be a strong team. But I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is the best of fives or the playoffs will be very indicative of this team's strength uh, compared to the rest of the league because, Obviously when it comes to best of fives and stuff, it becomes adaptation, you know, player champion pools, you know, mental, you know, fortitude and toughness over a five game series. And just from what we've seen historically, players like Inspire, Someday, Jojo, you know, players like uh Impact, Spika, you know, Blabber, Zven, uh, they are so like I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Like, they, they can morph their play style into many, many, many different things and be successful on said play style. And for Golden Guardians, the winning formula has been put like Rashawn Renekton, get Gory on something that he can have a strong presence and impact on from like a mid lane champion pool perspective, like a Yone. I think he had a LeBlanc game earlier, you know, stuff like that. And when they're not on that, it feels like this team is a bit different.
0: Yeah, I see. If they. If they closed out the game clean against Immortals this weekend, I wouldn't be as concerned. Because I thought TL, like I said, I just think TL played well against them. I didn't look at that game and say, oh, no, Golden Guardians are frauds. That was fine to me. It was the fact that they crushed Immortals in the early game. They were winning all their lanes. They had two drags. They were up like four or 5,000 gold or whatever at 15. And then they still had trouble closing out against Immortals. Uh, that's kind of what worries me. Not the TL game that they lost, but the game that they won. And even they they tried to like backdoor, I guess, which it was successful. It was a successful backdoor in a way that like they were able to even though Immortals picked up the elder, they killed off most of the Immortals members and were able to still close out the game in the long run. But like I don't think that you should ever even be in that scenario after you crushed the lanes the way you did. Um that's you could say. Well, you know what, Blue Jay. That's just one game, and they had won seven in a row coming into this weekend. So, okay, uh, if if that's your take on it, I'm fine with that. But I still like. I don't know, man. That is just not the. That is not a way to inspire confidence in this team. Despite the fact that I still do think they are a contender for the championship.
1: Yeah, I, I think if I had to pick, they're they're the fourth out of the top four. I think okay. the argument gets a little sketchier when it comes to the top three. I think for the most part, you could argue them in any order. And I don't think, like, I wouldn't say you're completely wrong by any means. I guess the only, I guess you probably have to put Fly in the top two.
0: Okay, so we asked the question at the start. Let's uh, let's answer it then. Who's the best team in the league right now? Because I think it could only be the top four that are contenders, right? There's no one below that that could be considered for the best team in the league, right?
1: Yeah. I mean
0: let's just do a quick little power ranking then of the top 4. Let's do that. Do you want me to go first or you want to go first?
1: Uh I mean I think if I had to pick at this exact moment in time mm-hmm. I would do actually oh geez maybe maybe FlyQuest <laughs> maybe FlyQuest is 3.
0: Dude, I think that too, but people are going to say we're crazy.
1: I mean, maybe, but you're I think
0: gonna go I. C- you're going to go C9 EG FlyQuest GGS, yes?
1: And you're going EG C9 FlyQuest EG.
0: We are way too freaking predictable. But you yes. said
1: GGS, by the way. I don't think I heard that.
0: Yeah, they are GGS. i I refuse to call them GG. That that's we we bid through this. Um, you mentioned something really interesting to me though yesterday that even though you still believe golden guardians are a contender, you mentioned that, like um, you said, it's like all the top three are pretty even. You give them all like approximately 30% chance to win. And then you give golden guardians the 10%. And I thought that was interesting. Cause I feel like that's kind of fair.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I, did you I
0: want to th- add to that at all?
1: I mean, it's, it's just more like my internal confidence that I have in each team. And, you know, you, people talk about like the eye test. It, it, to me, it feels like Golden Guardians is like it passed the eye test, but they only passed it like one time, and where the other, the one other time
0: th- they won seven in a row.
1: Well, I know, but the the other top teams just to me feel way more battle tested in terms of you know stringing together good performances for the majority of the split. Apart from the Golden Guardians seven game winning streak, and you know that was an impressive seven game winning streak. Their losses have been pretty bad. I, I'm trying to, I know I've used this example in the past. I can't remember which team or what year it would have been. But, you know, when a team has really strong lots, really strong wins and really strong losses, there's that really big extreme from one side to the other. That doesn't necessarily inspire a ton of confidence in myself when in terms of me analyzing and looking at a team, because it means that things can either go really wrong or really sorry, really right or really wrong. And when you have that potential to like turn into a disaster, not that I think Golden Guardians is going to be a disaster, but from a, like a game to game sense where this team could just get blown out, you know, that's not the greatest look when it goes to, you know, best of fives and trying to, you know, look at the actual championship contenders. You need to have some stability, you know, if you don't get what you want.
0: My my biggest concern, and I guess I have to address this, my biggest concern with Golden Guardians is still Licorice. I'm not going to go over all of it that we've already done before. I still don't have that much confidence in Licorice. I think that there's still a problem in the top lane. That's why I don't put them at the same level as everybody else. The um the one thing that I wanted to, because I know we're going to get hard flamed for this, is that Golden Guardians beat EG and C9 just the last week before. Um, it is because I still don't have faith in Licorice that I still have them as the lower. So you might say, what the hell? They literally just beat those two teams. I don't think that that was the best version of C9, and I don't think it was the best version of EG that we saw.
1: Yeah, um, and whether whether or not, like, I mean, again, once I'll admit to all the people that I'm a Cloud9 fan, and, you know, there's a little bit of bias when it comes to me talking about Cloud9, but let's not ignore the fact that In the Cloud9 versus Golden Guardians game, MNS was the sole reason why they lost that game. And apart from that, you know, the game was actually going pretty well on the other fronts. And the one team fight, pretty much the one and only team fight that was, you know, quote unquote, fair team fight. And what I mean by that is it was equal numbers, equal positioning. They're kind of jockeying over Dragon at the time. Cloud9 actually won that team fight. And it was that was even in a fight where MNS got picked off right at the start of the fight. But I mean. Maybe it's biased, maybe it's coping, whatever, but that game was basically 5v4, so if you, Cloud9 Golden Guardians were to play right now, I'd pick C9 all day.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I think I would too. Yeah, that is interesting, but I think I would too. And I guess if you want to cope for the C9 fans a little bit more, that was their first game with m I think?
1: Yeah, it was their first game, and he in interviews was talking about how nervous he was, and once again, whether that's an excuse or cope or yeah. whatever.
0: Yeah. Because on the flip side, for Golden Guardians, you could say their first four games weren't shouldn't really count. And... They didn't have Gory, and then the the second the the second or the third and fourth game of the season, it was like Gory didn't have time to scrim with the team. Blah blah blah. There's always like these things that you need to add on, which is why we're never ever certain about any freaking team in this league, and why League of Legends is so damn hard to predict. Yeah uh okay let's move on to clg let's speed run some of these other teams because we've been kind of taking our time with the more interesting teams if you will let's start speeding through these who we got next Ginter?
1: yeah clg like you mentioned uh did take that loss to fly yeah. Quest, but put the smackdown on 100 thieves um we we did already talk about the CLG versus 100 Thieves game a little bit, kind of from the 100 Thieves side of things, but on the CLG side of things, like you said, right from the get go, CLG bot lane just completely annihilated TSM bot, or sorry, 100 Thieves bot lane.
0: Yeah, and and I think you you have to give credit not just for the initial double kill, but for contracts recognizing like, hey, both of those dumb dums use their flashes. I'm coming down right now, and I'm going to kill them again. And like, yes. Full credit to Luger and Poom for getting that advantage first, but also give credit to Contracts for really breaking the game over. That gank ended the game. Like the the first double kill, definitely credit to the CLG bot lane, and then also uh, you can't forget about Contracts. And that was the game. That was the game was over, in my opinion, at that point. Because how yep. the hell do you beat a four-zero Callista at three minutes? You just don't.
1: Yeah, and you could kind of see from that point on, like Hundred Thieves literally could not fight a single thing.
0: Like- yeah. And then uh there was the Fly Quest game. They kind of just got outplayed for the most part. Didn't they steal a Baron? Yeah, they did. Oh, you know what they did do? I-, I just have it in my notes here. Um Yeah, they started Rift Herald, but they didn't have everyone there. That was like a That's one thing the reason why I bring that up is because that's something we've seen out of CLG a few times where like they like to play aggressive and they like to fight. But it just feels like a lot of times their fights aren't exactly calculated on, hey, what sums do they have and how many people are they bringing to the party and that kind of thing. That was like that fight that they lost to FlyQuest. Full credit to FlyQuest for recognizing that they have the numbers, but also a little bit of bean soup to CLG for not realizing, like, come on, man, you're not going to win when you don't have the numbers there. Yeah. So that, no. that I had to bring that up because we've seen that before with them.
1: Obviously, they did sort of come back in the game a little bit, but I think the majority of people would say that those were, you know, more errors on the FlyQuest side than it, you know, necessarily with CLG actively getting back in the game. Obviously, they did have a very powerful Aurelian Soul in that game, and you could really... That was a bit of a showcase in terms of the potential power of the champion, in terms of if you can get it to the mid-game relatively stable, it can do a lot of work. And that was a game, you know, where... FlyQuest was literally up like 10k plus gold before that Baron steal. Like they were getting annihilated and just even one small instance to stall out the game for five minutes made the game so much more difficult for FlyQuest to close out because of of and Soul. So hard to siege against the champion when he has the E that you can spam, when he has the ult for big teamfight impact. Obviously with the Ryleyes can just be a really big nuisance in terms of, you know, fighting over the mid lane, fighting for positioning and you know, very, very very strong champion.
0: Yeah, and last thing I'll say on CLG is right now they're 7-6. and They're in a playoff spot. Um, You might think that they're very comfortable in a playoff spot, but I'm just looking at their schedule. They play Dig. Okay, fine, they should beat Dig. Um, But then they play Evil Geniuses. They play Golden Guardians. They play Team Liquid. And they play C9. So they got some tough games ahead of them still.
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know... There are definitely some winnable games on that schedule, like you mentioned, um, yeah, like the, the DIG, the dig and the TL ones, uh, but obviously EG, Cloud9, and Golden Guardians are going to be very tough t- tough tests for them. i um, mm-hmm. trying to think, obviously, I mean, most likely one that they'll win of those ones is probably the Golden Guardians one, and I think it's a similar path to beating Golden Guardians as a lot of other teams have used, which is through the top lane. I think, you know, Doakla over Licorice is still even a mismatch there. Um, especially if you get Doku on a comfortable matchup, like some sort of counter pick that he likes, or just even getting him a strong leaning champion. Because when actually, I'm, oh man, I, I want to say CLG feels like a little bit like Golden Guardians as well in terms of when they get what they want. This team actually looks really good, but when they don't, they don't look as good. So yeah, bit of I, a Golden I, Guardians I, feel actually.
0: I think they have a tough schedule ahead of them. Now, that doesn't mean I don't think they can win. Like, I do think they could take some upsets. um, So that's true. I'm just saying that their position in the playoffs, you would think they're a lot more comfortable than what their schedule would suggest. I think that they're really going to have to show up in the last two weeks um, if they want to stay in playoffs. Because before, when we were talking about how TSM was in sixth, I thought that 100 Thieves and TL were chasing TSM it makes me realize they might catch clg as well if uh if clg doesn't show up and like i said for many episodes we don't know what the hell to think out of clg they are night and day from week to week so uh after that we have tsm tsm went one and one brought back
1: wild turkey
0: they did bring back wild turkey and they beat tl
1: um yeah they, they tl let me down there I had faith in TL coming into the this past week and while they triumphed over Golden Guardians, they let me down against TSM.
0: Yeah, I really thought with how good they looked, they looked against Golden Guardians, that like I thought they would just breeze through TSM.
1: But then they picked Nocturne.
0: Dude, that was weird, man. <laughs> okay, JT, here I you're gonna be we're gonna do the lawyer thing. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to do it but you're going to have to find a way to defend this Nocturne pick. Uh,
1: they they're fucking guilty on all charges. This is some <laughs> you're dog shit. The plea deal. This is some you're dog taking... shit.
0: You're not even going to defend your client. You're just going to take the plea.
1: They pick Nocturne into Vi, which is also like first of all, that is absolutely horrible because Vi is like the queen right now of just like shutting down, like locking down and shutting down a champion and just being as annoying as possible and you basically can never do anything as Nocturne if you have Vision of Divai. Because if you have Vision of Divai... Sorry, sorry I mean if you don't have Vision of Vi. Because if you're playing Nocturne and you're trying are to gank... it.
0: playing TSM and Team Liquid, by the way? I think we're doing that, right? Are we just doing both of them right now?
1: Yeah, I guess. I guess we kind of are.
0: Sorry to interrupt you. Go, go ahead and talk some more about this Nocturne.
1: Basically, if you ever are in on Nocturne against a Vi... If Divide just presses R on you, you are completely useless. You get one tapped. Like, uh,
0: like obviously, this is,
1: obviously, this isn't a matchup that people have seen. But if Nocturne, part of the reason why Pioshik did literally nothing in the early game, one was because they basically had no vision of Boogie almost the entire time, which really limits your playmaking. And then two, they also just picked Nocturne into a bunch of champions that Nocturne sucks against. They picked it against Ezreal Karma which is an annoying bot lane which has a lot of speed and separation which Nocturne hates because he wants to yeah, get, get on get top he wants he wants spear. to get on top of a champion and he wants to stay on top of that champion and it's very difficult to do that against Ezreal Karma uh they also have really spammable abilities to cut the spell shield off of Nocturne very quickly in important instances like you're never gonna like spell shield scion alter q because you're having spells flying at you all day you're never gonna be able to not get vialted because of all the spells that are flying at you you're never gonna be able to get on top of mid as well post six because if you fly on mid post six and don't kill him you're gonna die in return because it's syndra so in summary nocturne is an absolute dog shit pick in this game that they played
0: it on top of the pick being really weird He also, when he invaded the jungle and took Krugs, took, like, the weirdest path to go, well, I don't know where he was going. Maybe he was deciding he was ganking mid or something. And gets caught in the jungle, wastes his ultimate to try to survive, and still dies anyways. And if you use your first Nocturne ultimate to do nothing and just die, you have no more pressure anywhere else on the map for for that whole cooldown, which matters a lot.
1: Especially at, like, right at level 6 when the cooldown is, like, two and a half (laughs) minutes. Yeah, like And you, you have no CDR at that point. You don't get a kill. You don't get like any extra refunding. Like
0: You want to get something out of your first Nocturne ult, and they just didn't. So on top of the pick not really making a lot of sense, you kind of got to look at Pjosek and just question Mark Ping that performance. The only time he got a good ultimate was the team fight when TSM did secure soul as the team fight is breaking out. He finally gets an engage on Syndra and gets the fear off Syndra, but Syndra is able to zonias, and as that teamfight's going on, TSM has Infernal soul. So it's like, that is not the time. That is way too late in the game to have a good Nocturne ulti. And so the game was kind of lost because of that. And TSM, they took full advantage of Team Liquid not having um, any pressure in the early game. They just stacked drags. They knew that they weren't going to get punished in any of their lanes, because you mentioned before how the draft into the Nocturne was super safe. And... Nocturne couldn't even use ulti because he wasted it.
1: Yeah, and it's not even that, like, the enemies were playing all these super safe champions. Like, there was also no setup from any other member on the TL side. Like, there is almost no lockdown whatsoever in the early to mid game, you know, like, individual lockdown, you know, when it comes to picking up a specific target. Like, obviously, they have, like, these big AoE ultimates that, you know, are, you know, very important and very, you know, impactful in teamfights. But... In the mid game, which is all about, you know, like setting up, like using your lane pressure, setting up your lanes, fighting around objectives, you know, the push and pull of the, the, the flow of the game. And it's finding those instances in the middle where somebody's trying to push out a lane. It's like, OK, now's the time I go with Nocturne. But, you know, there's no other setup to help the Nocturne out. Even I I, I, I still think that even if Pioshik did get successful alts off around like level six to level nine, anywhere between that, like how are they going to kill a target? Like without pure damage, they have no way of killing a target.
0: Yeah, uh, they
1: can't. The they can't side, go. They can't go mid. You have Relian Soul. How the, Like you're not doing any damage. There's no setup. Uh, you're going top lane to kill a Scion. I don't think that's ever gonna happen. And then bot lane's playing Israel Karma. Like there's literally nothing that he could have done all game.
0: Well, I also want to say that on the flip side, we talked about how they brought in Wild Turkey, and that lane went fine. Like Core and Yan are normally two of our like they are one of our best bot lanes as far as lane phase is concerned. Turtle and uh and Chime had no problems with the Ezreal Karma. They kind of dumped on him. So and the other interesting thing about that too is um Rafa mentioned that in the Challengers League, Turtle had been struggling. And so you wouldn't exactly expect a struggling challenger player. I mean, okay, it's Turtle, right? Longtime LCS veteran, but still, you wouldn't expect someone that's struggling in the challenger scene to hop into the LCS and then just kind of dump on one of the better bot lanes. So that was pretty impressive. You gotta give full credit to TSM for that
1: and uh obviously tsm's game against evil geniuses was for the most part george pune carrying we kind of outlined that already a little bit in the in the eg side of things but
0: they all team fought them they just they were better team fighting
1: yeah pretty much the only thing that i really have to say when it comes to tsm on that game is they just i don't like i know that maple plays galio and that's like kind of a pocket pick style champion but they did not know how to utilize Galio at all oh, in that game. Again. Dude, it Maybe was disgusting. Triggered. Okay, well, first of all, I'll give some props to Maple. He built Night Harvester, which was, okay, was gonna which ask, is better. Uh, I mean, it's as simple as when you have Night Harvester, your Qs kill the backline in one shot. And when you don't have Night Harvester, when you go like Rod of Ages, like they don't. And that's really important to just playing Galio when it comes to playing him, like... Having the Q to be able to one-shot the backlines is so important for being able to shove and roam, collect farm the side lanes, etc. Took Aftershock, dog shit. Take Phase Rush, or take Ghost. If you're not going to take TP, go Aftershock, go Ghost. But in terms of how the actual teamfights played out, they always had Maple as the primary engager, and only one time in the entire game did they actually have Vi go first, ulting a priority target and then having Maple follow on top. And that was the one team fight they won in the entire game, which was the one where they blew up FBI, like right at the beginning, with Vialt Galio, Alt, and all the damage to follow on top. And in every single other team fight, they had Maple flashing in or eing in and flash Wing, and he was just getting insta-killed and had almost no impact on his Alt. And it just felt like TSM didn't know how to play with the Galio that game, because they sent him in first every single time, lost every single fight. The one fight they sent in the Vi first to lock down the ADC, actually won the fight so it was just super confusing i don't know
0: last question i have on tsm i know this is like a tsm slash team liquid section uh last question on the tsm side of things was when he went aftershock what was their comp looking like was there like a lot of damage in the rest of the comp like is there i I guess i'm trying to play devil's advocate here as to why he might do that
1: No, but i mean i don't know like
0: I don't remember what the draft was. I have no recollection. I, I
1: just think he's just Regardless, defaulting. Do
0: you think that he shouldn't build, or you shouldn't... Um... I think he's
1: just defaulting Aftershock. and He's not, like, thinking about it. He's not going, like... Right. I mean, obviously, he switched his build from Rod of Ages to Night Harvester, so he's, like, trying to learn a little bit more, but Aftershock okay. ain't it, bro.
0: And my last question on the TL side of things is, are they going to make playoffs? Because their remaining schedule... FlyQuest, C9, Dig, uh, CLG, and EG. I could see TL losing four of the next five games and not even coming close to playoffs. Now, yeah, mind you, they did look really good against Golden Guardians. So we, like, this is another team we don't know which version is going to show up. But like, I don't like out of them and 100 Thieves. Even though 100 Thieves is looking worse right now, I might say 100 Thieves has the better chance of making playoffs because TL's schedule looks really difficult.
1: Yeah, it's difficult to say because in terms of performance, TL seems to be the better performing team, but you mentioned the scheduling. Like TL has a very difficult schedule upcoming. What'd you say? They have C9, EG, Fly, and yeah, Golden okay. Guardians? And or so no, not Golden like Guardians, sorry. And uh, who's the other? Digging CLG. Dig CLG. CLG, yeah. But, but CLG, that's still like an evenly matched game. So basically right. four out of their five remaining games are difficult games.
0: And I would even say, let, let's just talk about the whole FlyQuest, C9, and EG. Like, they should not win any of those games. They might, but they shouldn't win any of those games based off how they've been playing. And so the question then becomes, can you even make playoffs with two wins?
1: No, I, I don't mean, think so. seven wins going 7-11? Probably not. Because unlikely. Very unlikely. That, that right? would, I mean, for you to make playoffs in that sense, you would, CLG would have to lose out, and TSM could only win a maximum of one games. Like one no, of, one you of don't those...
0: need CLG to drop. You need TSM and 100 Thieves to both drop because you could just take TSM spot. You don't need CLG to lose um, if you get two wins, right?
1: Oh, yeah. I guess that's true.
0: But, I mean, two wins, realistically, is not going to get you in playoffs. So, but I, I, I think what they've, is, I think they've lost
1: shit. twice to TSM, so they don't have the head-to-head. So I think they actually have to... If TSM is in the playoff picture, they have to be plus one over TSM. I think right. they're they 0-2 lose... against them. You're right. Yeah, so they are. That that makes it even more difficult because if TSM <laughs> yeah. is if TSM is a six seed, you have to be one win over them or they're gonna take that spot. So
0: So they're definitely we need to, facing an up we over need, battle. Yeah, we need to see the version that showed up against Golden Guardians and not the version that showed up against TSM. But or let, they're they're done for.
1: But like you mentioned, even if we get that version of Team Liquid, is that version better than golden than TL sorry, Jesus. Is that version of TL better than Fly, C9, and EG? I still don't think so. Good. So That's a fair point. Even if we get good Team Liquid, I think as long as none of the other teams are running it, at best, you're going 2-3. and three. So yeah. they, they, need, they need a miracle, it seems to me. You
0: need a little bit of a miracle. Okay, and then let's go on to uh, Immortals now.
1: Yep, a little IMT. Another team who made a roster change, Balulu, in for a Blaze Olive who was stepping back from the LCS due to personal reasons. Um, but yeah, Balulu came in and played really well.
0: Yeah, he was hands down their best player this weekend, and I don't think he was close. And the question I have to ask you, JNT, is that more embarrassing for the players that their best player, the, the other starting four, that their best player was the academy guy? Or is it more embarrassing on the coaching staff that you had a much better upgrade at mid lane and haven't been playing them? Mind you, it's one weekend, so maybe you know, I realize I'm getting a bit ahead of myself here. But who is that more embarrassing on?
1: I mean, I don't know. It feels, just, it feels more embarrassing for a Blaze Olive just because of how different the level of performance was, it felt like to me. So,
0: the, but, the thing is, we don't know what the issues are around Olive and why he stepped down. It could be something that he's been dealing with for some time. So there's a little bit of like, you know. that's 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 true. Um, we don't know what's going on there. And while I definitely did say last week that I thought Olive started to look better as the season went on, he had a really rough start. Like, he was one of the worst players in the league the first couple of weeks, so it's like he set the bar really low to start the season. And, I I mean, it's definitely an upgrade. No offense to Olive. Uh, his Zoe, the Balulu Zoe was fantastic. The Ari was good. Like, to me, he was the reason why they had a chance of, of winning both of their games this weekend.
1: Well, they did win one of them, but...
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe we can group Dignitas in this. After yeah. That game. <laughs> uh, pull up the Dignitas logo there, JT. We'll throw both of them in here. Um, I was so mad. Uh, I'll, I'm so tilted with that game because Dig did so much to come back in the game. They had two tanks to frontline against a poke comp, and they decide to go for the back door. <laughs> I feel like you just win fights. No
1: it oh, was you lost the
0: immortals logo can we have both
1: uh well too
0: much of a pain in the uh, whatever
1: I mean doesn't i can move it around but
0: yeah it doesn't matter but yeah like is, am i crazy in saying that they should just team fight there
1: it definitely felt like Dignitas was starting to get the better of the front to back team fights
0: Sandhorn was, was just a brick wall standing in front of everyone. Like, Jace Poke or Zoe Poke wasn't getting through to the backline. You had a massive tank, Sejuani. He had War to heal up as much as he wanted. I, I didn't see the reason as to why you wouldn't contest and just fight them. A Poke comp that can't really do Poke. They had, like, you needed to hit two specific targets, and they had Gnar as well, who was a, a, another really good frontliner to block Poke. Like, that seemed to me like the perfect setup for Dignitas to want to take a fight. And they didn't. And they went for the back door. And mind you, they were like I don't know, what, three autos off of the Nexus or something? I don't know how many autos, but it they definitely were really, really close.
1: It definitely wasn't uh it wasn't like extremely close, like your your deft at worlds, you know, example where it was literally like yeah, at, any auto away. No. It was like yeah. I'm trying to remember, I think the Nexus was like a third HP, so by by traditional league backdoor standards, I don't think it was that close, but I mean, it was, it was close enough to where it was getting close and maybe that doesn't give any perspective to people who didn't see it or anything, but wait, I mean, what did
0: you say? You said it close, but it wasn't
1: close. Like, well, cause when you think of when you're backdooring in league, like it's only close if you get to like a few autos worth and the Nexus was still nah. like a third HP, like
0: dude, that is still close because that's like what, like. 2 seconds or 3 seconds away from ending the game. That's really close. No? Yeah, but Okay, we just have a different opinion of what close is clearly, but regardless, I thought it was close, you didn't. And no, I, I said it, I said it was
1: it, it, wasn't, it wasn't it was close, but it wasn't like close.
0: <laughs> okay, let's, let's let's drop the close thing. Um I, yeah, I just think it's troll that they went for it in the first place. Uh I it felt like they thought they needed to win that way and i don't think that they did
1: i mean i think I, I think it's just your tilter, man. i just think it's your classic example of a poor like a bottom tier team more afraid of making a mistake than you know making the right play and it was like a, to me it felt like they were more worried about you know fighting the elder and losing and then okay if they get elder we just lose because we're going to get out damaged with like cuz in in a front to back, if you have elder, like the game is just completely over. Like there there's no there's no chance ever in a front to back that you're gonna win when the opposing team has elder. So I, I think it was they were more just probably operating out of fear, like maybe we have a chance to like run it on the game, not even like enter ourselves into the situation of doing this whole elder flip. So I don't know. It, to me it felt like one of those instances where a bad team made a poor decision because they're probably fearful of making the wrong decision.
0: I mean maybe. Yeah, it's possible. It's K okay. clearly I wanted Dignitas to win this game because I took them in the predictions that we'll get to shortly. But JT am I crazy if I say that I still think Dignitas is the better team? I mean they're both at the bottom. They're both terrible. Let's let's put that out there. Am I delusional? Am I too uh, hung up on thinking immorals is bad?
1: Maybe a little bit.
0: That that game, honestly, was just like, you know how I say sometimes there's just games that are the last team to throw loses? Because they yeah. weren't taking turns back and forth on throwing the game. They were doing a great job of that.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at the goal graph, actually, and it's there's a lot of spiking going on, so kind of like, funny. The
0: game was amazing to watch, don't get me wrong. I loved it. My heart was pumping. I never thought that it would be for a 9 versus 10 game. But it was just a bunch of unforced errors after unforced error after unforced error. You got Dignitas, they chase, I got the list here. Just, I mean, I could have gone a lot longer. I'll just name it two or three of them. You got Dignitas, Dignitas chasing through the funnel uh, once they picked off Revenge. And there was like a b- million feathers on the ground and Jensen was like, oh yeah, I'll keep chasing through these. <laughs> so tactical pulled back the feathers. That was one of the throws. There was, uh, that was Immortals oh, yeah. gets... Yeah Immortals gets barren and revenge greets for a top wave after seeing that not all of Dignita's base he dies. Kenby tries to save him, he dies. Uh, what else?: That is there?
1: the classic LCS play of I just mean, not letting the inter die holy.
0: I, I have others, but the, you get the point. The point is that like this was just last team to throw loses rather than like someone actually taking the win. But yeah, I still, I actually do think Dignitas is still better and maybe I'm coping so hard. You can let me know. Well, I think,
1: I mean, part of it's understandable because obviously since they made the roster change from Spawn to Tomo, it is, it is a different team. And I think, you know, the exact point that you're making right now, like, am I crazy of thinking that, you know, dig is better than Mortals is similar to what we were just talking about earlier with Golden Guardians, like with, you know, me saying how, you know, they had started the season 04 and while their seven game win streak was impressive, all their other losses were terrible. Well, some of their losses were terrible because they didn't have their mid laner. And when they did have their mid laner, he hadn't been practicing. So I think it's yeah. a fair argument to make. And I don't think that I'm not, I, you can't call you, you can't, you can't be called crazy for thinking that two of the worst teams are like, you know, one's better than the other. Cause they're both so bad. Like, I don't, I don't
0: think Dignitas is that bad. They are definitely bad. There's no doubt there. I just can't believe they're 1 in... What are they? 1 in 12? 12. Like, to me, they should be like a 3 in... What, what's Immortals? They should have Immortals record. 3 in whatever that is.
1: and I 3 guess, in 9 or something? 3 and 10.
0: Or 3 in... oh three and in 10. But, I mean, what's the difference, really? You're not making playoffs regardless.
1: That's what I was kind of going to say. Like, what's the difference between 3 wins and 1 win? Like...
0: Anyway, I don't have anything else on these teams. I just wish that they played each other again, because I think that's the most interesting... Like, the only time a game for Dignitas or Immortals is going to be interesting is when they're playing each other, because they're fighting to not be at the bottom, although Dignitas might have screwed themselves now. You must
1: have loved watching Relegations back in the day, then.
0: I didn't everyone? Relegations was awesome! I I mean, yeah, (laughs) they
1: they were interesting, but... (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I get your point, that I like watching the bad teams even. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's get into the predictions, T, You gained some ground on me, and this is why I'm salty about Dignitas.
1: Yep. Um, I was I'm supposed pull- to
0: run away with it.
1: Yeah, Not I'm pulling right it up right. right now. Um, Myself, I caught up two games, so I'm 42 and 23. Blue Jay is 43 and 22. Um, Thank you to Team Liquid and to Dignitas for... Or I guess to Immortals, sorry, for allowing me to catch no, up. Oh,
0: you gotta thank Dignitas for going for the Nexus there, man.
1: Sure. Thank thank you, Dignitas. Um, yeah. but first match on Thursday next week, starting off with a banger, FlyQuest versus Team Liquid. I'm Fly still Quest. I'm gonna roll with FlyQuest. Um so Summit is not gonna be able to run over Impact like most of the other top laners he runs over, so Yeah. Immortals versus T S M. P.S.M. Hmm.
0: Okay, J.T. Do it. I know you're thinking. Do it. Take immortals.
1: Sure, I'll I'll take immortals. A bit for I fun, but
0: I swear to God, if TSM lets me down, I'm gonna lose it. I mean, it's okay, a, it's then,
1: it's a little bit for fun, but I mean, A little bit YOLO. Balulu looked pretty good. I think he'll beat up Maple.
0: He did. Okay, that that's fair. Balulu, th- I, the team. It's kind of similar to the Dignitas looking different when they dropped Spawn for Tomo, whereas like dropping Olive for uh, Balulu, the team looks a little bit different. So I can yeah. I can actually buy that.
1: One thing that, I didn't even bring this up during the TSM segment, but I remember like seeing some stuff where there was like a picture of like your all pro team predictions. And I think Emily Rand had Maple as her number one mid laner. And I don't know about her, but in my opinion, I think Maple has been the worst player on TSM. So that felt like that felt like a really, a really weird pick to me. Um, I don't
0: think so. I would go with Neo. I think there's a reason he was benched. Maybe the bot lane was been getting, had been getting clapped quite a bit.
1: I don't know. I just don't think Maple's been very good. And, I don't know. Maybe, maybe maybe Belulu can continue his good performances.
0: I thought Maple's Talia was so good, so I think we're just on a different page here. But that's a discussion for another day. We got Evil Geniuses and Cloud Nine.
1: Think our go
0: Cloud Nine, right? I think
1: our previous discussion about the top teams has made this yeah. quite obvious that I'm going Cloud Nine and you're going Evil Geniuses.
0: Correct. Okay, and then we got Golden Guardians and 100 Thieves. I get the feeling you're going 100 Thieves on this one. Am I wrong?
1: I don't I'm know. Even, I'm going
0: Golden Guardians, but it just—you don't sound as bought into Golden Guardians.
1: I'm not bought into either of these two teams. Yeah, that's I fair. think they're—I think they're both worse than people look at them.
0: Okay, well, I'm going Golden Guardians. Who are you taking?
1: Man, this is—I mean, I'm going to pick Golden Guardians right now. Obviously, the way that we do our predictions, we don't change our predictions based on the draft. But this is a game that 100. percent is will the results will be indicative of the draft? I think.
0: Yeah, we're not. Once the draft starts, we're not allowed to.
1: Switch. Yeah, that that that's our rule. Okay. We, we we don't change our picks after the draft. I know. I know. Okay. I will dominate when he does his picks. He'll do like pick before and after draft. But yeah. I think this game is a prime example of draft is going to win or lose a team a game here.
0: Okay, CLG and Dignitas. I'm going CLG. Me too. Team Liquid, Cloud9. The first game on Friday. I am going Cloud9. Cloud9 for me. Immortals versus FlyQuest. We're both going FlyQuest? Yep. CLG versus Evil Geniuses. EG? Yep. Dignitas versus 100 Thieves. 100 Thieves? Yep. Okay, if 100 Thieves loses to Dignitas, that'll really be disappointing because...
1: Then it's like super GG.
0: Oh, man, that's disaster. Okay, and then the last game, TSM Golden Guardians. I am going Golden Guardians. Me too. Okay. And then we got some quick news and we'll close out the show.
1: Kind of a banger Thursday in terms of our predictions we got going on here. Mm-hmm. I'm needing some big dubs from Immortals and uh, I guess just really Immortals. I guess Cloud9 as well because that's a really Cloud close Nine, game.
0: Yeah. That game's going to be the best game of the week. Well, should be the best game of the week. You never really know.
1: Should be, yeah. Um, yeah, we Sometimes got
0: it. it's ninth versus 10th. That's the best game of the week. <laughs> yeah,
1: a uh, little bit of quick news just to finish it off. Uh, kind of to piggyback a little bit on what we were talking about last week. Um, Fnatic did confirm their spring roster is official. Plus also uh, Nightshare. It's going to be their new head coach who, if you guys didn't know, a little fun fact is Freeze's twin brother. Hmm. There you go. Also, uh, I think this is probably the biggest news of the LEC offseason. Presumably, obviously, there might be more to come, but... Upset joining Vitality, Neon is out. Upset on Vitality, I feel like this team, this improves their team massively.
0: Yeah, I'll give myself half a pat on the back because I did say that I think this team is looking into bot lane changes. I just don't think that that was like crazy prediction. Their bot lane looked terrible in the in the playoffs. So, Ragio, if you're listening, I guess I'll say I told you so. Although you probably agreed.
1: Um. Next up, further talking about our EU stuff, uh, Treats put out a tweet regarding the EU Champions queue, basically saying that EU Champions queue is dead. And once again, brought up the discussion of Champions queue in Europe versus North America. Seems to be that Europe is suffering some of the similar problems that the LCS had with regards to Champions queue.
0: Join the club, right? Like this is, it's so copy and paste what the LCS went through last year. It's so like, And again, I I think I mentioned this the last time we talked about it. Part of me is like, "Haha, I remember when EU was like, oh, we would use Champions Q all the time and blah, blah, blah. But then the other part of me feels bad for the fans because I remember how bad it felt last year when we saw all of our LCS pros not utilizing it. And so I kind of feel bad for the EU fans.
1: One thing that I will say to play devil's advocate a little bit in this argument is a lot of people came to the defense of Champions Q a little bit in saying that apparently when treats was attempting to queue up for these games it was during the times that eu regional leagues were playing their competitive matches that week okay. so i think it's slightly important to note that when he was trying to queue up and said he was in queue for 3 hours and not a single game popped that the majority of the eu the majority of the erl teams and players were occupied so
0: well and that kind of touches on the the point that i the next point that i was going to make which is Just like the LCS and Champions Q, there needed to be a lot of little changes to make sure Champions Q is working. I still think you could definitely say that Europe has to go through some growing pains and realize when is a good time to have it open, when is not a good time, and so on. So just like the LCS made a little bit of adjustments, so will the LEC as far as their Champions Q. Mm
1: -hmm. All right, uh, next up, General Sniper. That's a name those uh, who follow the LCS probably haven't heard in a little while, but uh, right now he's the top liner for 100 Thieves NACL team but unfortunately he is stepping back from competitive play to prioritize his health um while that was a pretty vague statement it is a little bit unfortunate to hear that he does have to step back from competitive league if he is having some health concerns and you know obviously he's been a pretty big name in the league community for like the last four or five years now being like he's a super super
0: He's probably the most hyped prospect that North America's ever had. Am I right?
1: Yeah. I mean, what? This guy's been like challenger since he's been 11 years old or something. So <laughs> yeah, like, that's actually some like, th- that is some like Eastern you know, prospect type shit Yeah, where guys are hitting challenger in their early teens and basically hit the competitive stage at 17, 18 and are already a top player. Like that's almost every single T1 challengers player that moves up to the T1 roster. They're pretty much... A general sniper.
0: Yeah, the reason why I think this is so relevant is because we saw uh, Blaze Olive take a step back. We obviously talked plenty about the Danny stuff at the start of the episode. It just seems like there are be- having there's more and more issues around people needing to take breaks for mental health, which I think well, further reinforces important, the point.
1: I would just say with this, he didn't specifically say mental health. He said prioritize my health, so we don't Fair know enough. whether or not no. it's one or the other it could be physical, but
0: no that that is a good point you might be right about that but i think it still um still hammers home the point that uh players do need to be taken better care of 100 uh, percent over in in general but yeah that's a good thing to distinguish their Ginter.
1: and then last up um everybody you know everybody loves our, our our old el goblino xqc he apparently wants to buy a french league of legends team so xqc coming to an lfl team near you
0: What's he going to name it? I don't watch any XQC, so I don't know his memes, but there's like, uh, man, I should have asked, like, Andrew or something. Yeah, I don't, tell I don't me know. Some of the XQC memes, and he'll name his team that.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is a little bit unrelated, but somewhat similar. I know, like, with the disguised Toast Valorant team that he did, like, part of the brand was just making it, like, shitty. Like, their logo is like an MS Paint mm-hmm. lettering of DSG. And while I think that I mean, I understand, like, the concept and the idea. I didn't really like it that much because, like, why not have it be, like, an actual, like, sick team with a good name and a good logo and stuff like that, so... Because the brand's
0: ex- already there, though. That's why. Well, why I know that. Disguised Toast brand? That's... I think you'd be trolling if you named it something cool just for the sake of that. No, but I, I mean, like,
1: when, like, they're, like, when they have their logo on screen when they're playing, it's literally, like, an MS Paint DSG. Like, it. why not make it the Disguised Toast logo or something like that or actually, like, play into it a little bit more, so...
0: Yeah, maybe you're right. I hope it's more. I hope it's
1: more like. I mean, yeah, I don't have the full picture on disguiseos and his involvement with the Valorant scene and whatnot, but I hope it's you know more official than it is like shitposty that it seems to be from my perspective with the disguiseos thing.
0: Yeah, somebody let us know what XQC will name it. Just give me a meme answer. I don't. I need to watch more XQC, I guess, just to know some of his memes um I, I guess the last thing i'll say on it is i just i think this is what the future of esports is going to be is influencers getting involved that don't care if they take a loss like all of the owners of all of these teams all have shit tons of money but it seems like the traditional sports ones are like as soon as they're losing money they're like i'm out i feel like xqc and ludwig and disguised toast mr are beast going mr beast mr stuff- beast yeah, go in full well knowing that they're not going to necessarily make money off of this. And it's just like a, a kind of like a passion project. And I think that is far healthier for the sustainability of these leagues. Because one, they bring a brand that people care way more about. And two, they're not afraid of taking losses monetarily. So I think it's good overall, even if it is just an LFL team. or Well, presumed LFL team. It was apparently supposed to be a French team, but we're guessing LFL.
1: mm mm-hmm. I'm just awaiting. I'm counting the. I'm counting down the days until we see the Beast team in the LCS. Where it's just, I guarantee you, that's the team name is just gonna be Beast, and it's gonna be the OG Mr. Beast logo, the like blue jaguar type thing with the red lightning bolt.
0: It will change the LCS if Mr. Beast gets a team. We're all all LCS fans are just waiting. We've been waiting.
1: Ig, just fucking sell your shit, man. Get out of here. Let Mr. Beast in.
0: I mean, Mr. Beast is legit busy curing blindness for people at the yeah. moment. I guess he's a little busy.
1: I mean, I guess, again, random tangent, but in my dream LCS world, like, we kick Immortals and Dignitas out of here, and we get Mr. Beast, and we get another, like, prominent esports org, or maybe it's another influencer type thing, but another another org and or person and or leader with a lot of influence acquiring a team, or whether or not that's just like another good esports org like sentinels there was discussion about sentinels getting the dig spot that would also be good like
0: yeah i think most people would agree with you jnt yeah. that is it for this episode guys thank you for hanging out those in the live chat that we're talking and uh thank you guys for coming back every week we are continuing to do all of our episodes every sunday at 7 p.m est 4 p.m pst that will continue and all the episodes are available on YouTube and Spotify and all that stuff so if you find the clown fiesta pod or if you search the clown fiesta podcast you will find it uh thanks again guys and we'll see you guys next week this has been episode 116 of the clown fiesta podcast